He used to call it two, the three P's. Play, possession, and position. Football, the people say, what do you do? What are you doing to play? in the last week. Sorry for the two-week hiatus because, well, a couple of weeks ago we had slight technical difficulties and we couldn't upload the episode even though we had actually sat on Zoom and recorded it. And obviously we've just come out of, well, the dreaded is the term I like to use, international break. But now club football's back. We've had a crazy weekend of games which I'd love to dwell into. But before that, I'm going to introduce you to my guests. Oh, I forgot to mention who I am. This is your host, Ayush Roy. And I'm joined with one of my two regular residents, Bhargav Gopal, and a person who's come on the show before. Thank you for coming on once again, Yash Dodia. Uh, Bhargav City fan, Yash Chelsea fan, myself, United fan. It's very exciting to get fans of different clubs and talk about different games. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you, Ayesh. Uh, yeah, dreaded international break, wasn't it? And it just makes you crave club football that extra bit. Uh, and boy, it didn't disappoint. It, uh, it actually brought up a lot of good and bad results, uh, depending on where your allegiances lie. But uh, yeah, can't complain that club football is now back. Uh, had a two-week break myself, personally. I recharged my batteries, you could say. And uh, raring to go with, with this edition of the analysis. Yep. Uh, hello to the Tactical Stand followers. This is Yash here. Dreaded uh, international break? Yes, definitely. <laughs> and Golo Conte got injured. And dreaded uh, return to club football as well. Chelsea lost 5-2. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that. That's the first game we're going to actually analyze. I mean, we did have a big game in Arsenal versus Liverpool. But this one was so much more exciting and so much to talk about that I definitely think we need to start off with this. Chelsea versus West Brom at Stamford Bridge under Thomas Tuchel, a manager who, in a way, until the international break, could do no wrong. You know, a good Champions League uh, win over Atletico Madrid, followed by a great run in the Premier League to be in fourth position. And this was very, very unexpected. This 5-2 defeat to 19th place West Brom, a team who look like they're down and out, even though they did recruit Sam Allardyce a couple of months ago. Um, I looked at the game and I watched this game and Chelsea obviously went 1-0 up with a goal from Christian Pulisic. And yet, but there were still some nervy moments in that first half an hour. And then, of course, you had the second yellow card, the sending off of Thiago Silva in the 37th minute of the game. And I think that opened the floodgates because suddenly you don't have the leader at the back, you're still playing a back five. And it definitely opened it up. That first goal was a, was a gave a good idea of how the game was going to turn out when the goalkeeper gets an assist. Let's start with Yash, because you are the Chelsea fan. You just watched your team concede five goals, get their worst defeat in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what did you make of this game, Yash? Uh, to be honest, 
to put it into words it's it's quite difficult but i would say if i if i had to look at one word it was it would be rusty because uh, there were a lot of players uh, who had played a, you know a good amount of games in the international break uh, you look at kai havertz rudiger mason mount kante kante was injured but then still he played uh, a game and hudson odoi was away with the england under 21s in the euros they got knocked out but still he he actually picked up a shoulder injury so yeah. all in all uh, he tried and uh, went with the uh, with the 11 which was fresh but then it did not work out uh, because uh, well thiago silva came uh, coming after a long injury break uh, he he looked rusty and uh, georginio also you know not not going traveling with the italian international team and uh, he came back after a long time played a game so all in all we were rusty but then there is no excuse of considering five goals mm. uh, there are a lot of things to talk about but uh, you know i, I uh, you know let's go in order of uh, you know how, what to talk about when okay. uh, what happened in the game mm. all right i move this to you bhargav uh, you of course watched the game as well um, he mentions rustiness he mentions a couple of players i talked about thiago silva's red card being the big part which it was if you look at it in a certain aspect what did you think went wrong with chelsea and maybe thomas tucker as a manager in this game i mean well for starters i felt that uh, chelsea were particularly on top uh, you know contrary to what yash was saying there was a lot of freshness in chelsea's gameplay uh, up until the 25 minute mark they, they were doing extremely well uh, they were utilizing pulisic you know uh, who's, who's coming to this lineup Alonso and Reece James, as usual, with the width. Uh, we've, we've talked about what uh, the X factor has been in uh, Tuchel's st- uh, tactical planning, and I think one of the big improvements uh, has been from 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 the wide areas. Mm. But I think, like you said, uh, tactics is possibly you know about setting out a gameplay uh, with you know factors that are in your control. but then it is also about reacting to external factors such as the dismissal from uh, of of thiago silva mm-hmm. absolutely unnecessary by the way from a, a veteran defender with such class and such reputation but tokel did not have a lot to play with let's put it that way after the red card i mean we're talking potentially about playing 60 minutes with 10 men uh, okay albeit against west brom not uh, exactly the most uh, fluent of scorers but then they can still be stopped right i mean it was 1-0 until that mark let's not forget and uh, they could have reacted in a way where they could have pulled off a draw uh, but because uh, you know the the primary instructions were playing with expansive you know defensive line expansive width uh, which which in which involves you know one twos and uh, the diagonal split balls and the wingers cutting in forward and a forward mentality in general they were not able to adapt that and it was a setback wasn't it i mean it's it's something that's happened for the first time in the tukal era however yeah. short it may it may be and it it changed the game and west brom took advantage of that and if you see one very crucial substitution was that of uh, you know karam robinson yeah. comes on and potentially marcus pereira from a left midfield role is often making those uh, central cutting runs you know yeah. potentially as a, as a false number 9 so so essentially front three that they have to now deal with instead of uh, a, a typical 5-4-1 allardyce formation mm. so it's it's you know chelsea's mishap became you know west brom's most lethal weapon 
and uh, Alada is usually comes up with master classes like this. We also <laughs> have an episode titled to his own name, yeah. and it it proved once again. But I just thought that you know this is something that Chelsea could have controlled at least in the second half. It didn't have to be five goals. Is is something that I have to say, and it's something that will come gradually. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I I just I just feel that you know it's it's going to take some time to bounce back from it, but eventually Chelsea will. the advantages that they play really fast so you know they can try and rectify their situation on wednesday when they play fc porto in the champions league um yeah i think you're right bhargav in the sense that while we are talking about how poor chelsea were we do actually have to look at how good west brom were i thought some of their goals were absolutely class especially callum robson you mentioned his first goal was complete quality aside Um Yash I noticed that you were trying to say something in between what is that what is it that you want to say based on Bhargav's comments Um yeah see uh, I I agree with Bhargav up to a certain extent in in the kind of uh, tactical things that uh, he said uh, but one thing I would like to point out is the fact that I think uh, Thomas Tuchel got his substitution wrong while uh, he was uh, you know while uh, Thiago Silva was sent off he actually brought in christensen for hakim ziyech which uh, i feel was you know a decision which could have been you know not made they could have uh, you know switched to a back four easily with uh, you know aspliqueta and marcos alonso being the two full backs and then the two uh, defenders hmm. so uh, you know there are a lot of uh, you know uh, permutations combinations as to what uh, what could have happened but uh, i think thomas tuchel missed a trick over there and uh, sam allardyce actually took the uh, took that opportunity of the ivanovic injury quite well yeah. he uh, you know if if ivanovic wouldn't have gotten injured then callum robinson wouldn't have come hmm. and uh, you know sorry to interrupt you there yash but you yeah. just basically said that once the red card came he put in another defender and took off a midfielder so he was essentially still playing a back five after the red yeah. card yeah, do you yeah. think that cause problems and that he should have continued with a back four because as bhargav said he could have actually gone for a draw and if you maybe have a five man defense that gives you a more chance of getting a draw in that kind of a situation with one man less uh see definitely look if you if i if i have to point out uh the personnel that were there on the pitch kurt zuma aspilicueta reese james and marcos alonso we know yeah. that marcos alonso can't play in a back four but then still he has proven to be uh you know okayish when called upon he can he can put in a performance if he is you know if uh, with 10 men obviously we are not going to venture that much forward yeah so uh you know marcus alonso can sit back but, uh, but kurt zuma i would like to point out this that uh, he plays well in a back four and he doesn't play well in a back three he doesn't board well uh, we can see uh, in the game against southampton where uh, the first goal was scored against uh tukal where Taco, uh, minamino scored that yeah. goal you see there was a lot of gap between uh christensen and zuma like it was as if a truck could pass through that gate <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so you know morinho parks the bus and you know that that gap was like as if the bus could uh, four buses could pass through that gap <laughs> so so uh, you know again in all the five goals if you see zuma was at fault all the five goals hmm. uh, you know if i if i were to enumerate in the first goal he did not charge at the ball he could have easily gotten charged it and you know headed it to mendy second goal 
uh, he uh, you know we can say that he did not have much to do but then still uh, the the header back from Jorginho when it came back he could have you know dealt with it much better in a much better position then the third Callum Robinson goal he goes Marcus Solanso is wide out there he yeah. he's trying to block the uh, cross Zuma's work is to occupy the gap uh, you know uh, along with Christensen mm. and stop that run from Callum Robinson but Jorginho jogs off Kurt Zuma goes off to Marcus Alonso along with Marcus Alonso leaving a huge gap acres of space and Callum Robinson scores that wonderful goal mm. fourth goal also he's just ball watching and fifth bo- uh, fifth goal Callum Robinson is jogging past him yeah okay the pass was fantastic from Furlong but then again you a defender of Zuma's quality needs to cut it out mm. well beautiful insight on all the five goals that are talking about one single player bargav i do see sense in what he was saying and i think looking at your face you did too to a certain extent but there's one line that i like to ask you on that he said in in his early answer that tuchel missed a trick by not playing a back four by playing a back five and then he cited zuma's influence do you agree with that or do you disagree with that You know, there's a joke that goes on in the football community that when you're playing with Marcus Alonso, you're essentially already a defender down. And uh, the the funny part is that you know when you're down to ten men, you really don't want Alonso as one of those defenders playing in the lineup. But uh, you know, all all the fun and jokes aside, I mean, it it actually proved to be factually correct. And in a way, you know, it's and when you look at it in hindsight. You'll say that oh okay fine I mean this game maybe Ben Chilwell could have started at left left back because Alonso had a horrible game I mean there's no mincing words about that um, then he could have you know played a back four instead of a back five that that is also always a possibility get the creative midfielders going and you know build up build up the rhythm and momentum that Tuchel teams are generally so used to but everything I mean all of this is in hindsight I mean let's not forget that he has won games with a back five. Right. I mean, so far, you know, until until this point in time, uh, there has been, uh, you know, a, a comfortability, a comfort level with with the back five, and uh, they they won games with you know with good margins, with decent margins. So to to blame the influence on that manager uh, for for an external factor that has you know already taken place and give them a, given them a natural disadvantage. i think that you know Sil- silva's departure left a hole in the middle and the the defenders were just not able to cope with it so zuma's influence on the pitch might not have you know contributed to that that big uh, of an impact on the eventual result mm-hmm. and with a with a back four with a back five he did well to in, uh, react to the initial uh, initial change by bringing on christensen so he's maintaining effectively that shape now that you're already a defender down but what i thought was you know t- taking pulisic off at half time was was not something uh, you know that was that was expected i mean i essentially thought that keeping him on for an extra 10 15 minutes having already scored the goal in the first half he, he could form you know a temporary 3 4 partnership with Reece James not effectively playing as a you know as a right wing back but he's playing more on the right wing so it's a 3-3-3 under a 10 man 10 uh, man situation but 
that's the thing right i mean west brom were in full flow and no no matter you know what players they could have put on uh, 10 men despite you know chelsea's reputation it's it's always difficult for them to cope with and that's somewhere that you know it's it's very easy to play the chelsea defenders and the team eventually but credit has to go out to to west brom's uh, you know uh, team not just for the players that were on the pitch but because they were able to react with tactical nouns that allardyce has been known for and he put on that extra attacker so he could challenge the three defenders that chelsea had on in the in in in, in the names of you know zuma christensen and aspilicueta yeah uh, one thing i would like to add to what bhagav said about mission police he uh, you know uh, we were all baffled why uh, you know as if as to why police has been taken off and mount was coming on but uh, after the game if you've seen the tukul has come out and said that police had a minor hamstring uh, strain while he's he was injured. he's injured no yeah. no he no 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 he he's not injured uh, he had a slight strain while he was going through the cones when he came out of the tunnel you could see that uh, when he sprinted for about 10 meters and then he came back and told he, you know he's feeling something and tukul also after the game said in this in a statement said that uh, you know they don't want to risk pulisic with a uh, you know crucial tie against porto coming up so i think that was more of a you know prophylactic substitution uh, you know rather than a tactical one i would say okay well whatever the reason is uh, chelsea did lose eventually and we can blame it to a lot of results but at the end of the day it's the first real blip under the new manager thomas tuchel uh, bhargav i'm going to ask you this question based on that performance which we all saw um what do you do you think that this is a small blip in a long run or do you think that this could have a problem as we move on yeah i mean uh, of course it's a, it's a big setback uh it's it's a it's a it's a first defeat uh on the pitch for tukul's men and it was a big one at that so it's it's obviously going to be a little tough to recover from but uh i think i mean they, they say right i mean it's it's the it's the losses and the hardships that make the the good teams yeah. come back better and stronger and maybe this is going to be a end of the season strong end of the season run in for for, for chelsea and uh tukul is that good a manager to you know to to come back and uh, make make an impression so i would still peg them for a top four finish uh, i think they do have the quality and you know one bad result does not you know change the fact that you know the initial run of good results might just you know uh, bode bode well for them going forward so in the eight odd games that they have to play let's let's not forget they are also in the fa cup and they've got a good chance of you know getting a trophy over there as well so yeah i mean it's it's not all uh, sorry and bust for uh, for chelsea it's it's definitely a setback like i mentioned but uh, expect you know tukul to come back you know firing uh, learning his first lesson and uh, implementing the tactics in a much more better and a much more reactionary way uh to to you know bring out the results that he is expected to very interesting and we will find out whether whatever bhargav saying is right as chelsea take on fc porto in the champions league quarter finals on wednesday we now move to the big game of this weekend which was arsenal versus liverpool arsenal of course are having a terrible season as we do know i know they're still 
in the Europa League, but they went into this game in ninth position. Similar situation with Liverpool. After being the champions last season, they've had a season to forget, at least in the Premier League. They went into this game in sixth position. Um, of course, they had that famous six-run defeat at home in the Premier League, which Bhargav, you and I, we did kind of analyze most of those games on this podcast. Um, but ever since they've had Fabinho in center defensive midfield, I have noticed a significant improvement. And I think we discussed this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he continues to play in, in center defensive midfield. And we saw another brilliant performance, I think. You could easily say it was a good performance from Liverpool, a 3-0 victory over Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. Uh, on the other hand, you could say it was another woeful performance from Arsenal. And I don't think... You can't keep count with the number of times you've called an Arsenal performance woeful this season. And I mean no disrespect to the club, but even their fans would agree with me. Um, Bhargav, this was the big game of the weekend and it did entertain us in the second half, but it did also in certain ways you know, make us dejected as well, if that makes sense. Um, what did you think of this match? Well, I thought it was, it was a very good game. Uh, until, of course, you know, the 63rd minute when the goal eventually went in. I, I thought that, you know, both teams were starting off a little sluggishly. Uh, maybe the effects of the international break played out on played out on the overall gameplay, little rustiness in those yeah. in those first 10 minutes. But I think one, one thing that Arsenal did wrong uh, in the game, and this is something that that's you know conversely contributed in all of Liverpool's defeats. The the run that you know the statisticians like to talk about of the six home games uh, in a row. I think Arsenal let Liverpool control of the ball, which inadvertently means control of the tempo as well, mm. and uh, you know taking to to the style or the the temperature of the match in the sense that you know you you are adjusting and settling in very quickly and it's not a rock it's not rocket science that you know the team of of the two which settles faster yeah. and much more comfortable with their natural philosophy eventually you know uh, goes on to get the first goal or you know deny the opposition in a in a defensive sense so liverpool were let control on the ball and uh, yeah, like we discussed on the podcast, you know, Fabinho returns to CDM and you can start to see the magic. And it was, I think the effect was twofold. One, by putting natural centre-backs yeah. who are able to defend. Uh, Phillips has been there for some time. Kabak, just about a couple of months back in the transfer window. Klopp uh, trusts Fabinho a lot more. And so does the entire team on the pitch as well. Because they know that even if there is a long ball that's being pinged by by the Arsenal uh, midfielders, Fabinho is going to track back, uh, get into the centre-back position as a third centre-back. Not a surprise because he's already played there. And they're able to quickly mop up any kind of gameplay, uh, creative gameplay that Arsenal are able to create. That is something that they could chuff out. And that's the first effect. The second effect is having Fabinho in central defenders in midfield means a lot more composure and clarity and the fullbacks can now push more, a lot more forward than they could in the first games. Because all those, that, that woeful period that Liverpool were going through, observe all those games and the common trend is either Robertson or Trent Alexander-Arnold have, have had to track back more than they would have liked in yeah. this system because they were missing one defender. 
Yeah. Right. And so to counter that effect, they were not able to play their natural game by now having two natural center backs and a natural central defensive midfielder. There's a T-shaped block in that, you know, in the first, you know, first uh, uh, third of the game, which then allows the creative juices of, you know, Salah, Mani going forward. And I especially like the role of James Milner as well, yep. who, you know, confused the the uh, the setup because he was playing in three positions in a matter of 10 minutes. There was this 10-minute uh, period, which was especially, you know, uh, Plumuxing for for Arteta and his men because he was in left midfield, he was in central midfield, and he was in left wing where Mane was in a secondary striker role. So controlling his runs were actually you know letting Fabinho play his natural role, uh, Thiago play his natural role, who had a decent game and has been criticised a lot more often. And there was a front full four which was countering Arsenal's back four. So I really thought that you know Liverpool in this game were able to excel because of the natural abilities and talents coming to the fore. And, well, who knows? It might be the start of something good as we approach the end of the season. Yep. They're also playing in the Champions League in a, in a few days. Well, on the same day this episode comes out, they will be playing. Um, Bhargav, you talked about the good things of Liverpool. I'm now going to try and analyse the bad things of Arsenal. And basically, my overview of the situation was that Arsenal took this game, especially in that first half, they took this game as being very wary. As in, they knew what, what, what Liverpool do possess as a team. And instead of trying to attack the team, they chose to slightly stay back. To which, let's be very fair, they succeeded to a certain manner in the first, in the first half of the game. You didn't see that many Liverpool chances. You didn't see chances on this side. But the problem is that a split moment with some with, with changes, with that class, with the quality in Liverpool's side can change. That cross from Trent Alexander-Arnold for the first goal was exquisite. And we had Diego Jota jumping in between two top, no, not top, but two tall defenders in Rob Holding and Callum Chambers. And I, of course, you can talk about how brilliant the cross was. But the fact that Diego Jota won the header just shows that Arsenal are missing that slight quality in certain moments of a game, which can change matches. And once that goal goes in, in the 64th minute, Arsenal's game plan goes out. It just goes out of the window. And then what you saw from that time to the 90th minute was cluelessness. They had no idea what to do. There was no plan to, if our plan goes wrong, what's our plan B? There was no plan B. They capitulated, as they have done in a lot of Liverpool Arsenal games. If you remember, there was a 4-0, there's a 5-1, there's a 3-1. There are so many games like that where they've just capitulated as soon as one goal's got in because they don't know what to do after that. And that's exactly what we saw. Gabriel making clear mistakes. And he's been Arsenal's best defender this season. He was responsible for both Mo Salah's goal where for some reason he missed the slide tackle. And then the third goal, where he just randomly kicked the ball into a Liverpool player's hands. Arsenal, that's been their main problem this season. I move this to you, Yash, because let's face it, they've been right at the bottom for a very long time. After Aston Villa's victory over Fulham on Sunday, they currently find themselves in 10th position with 42 points. That's the same as Leeds United and Aston Villa currently are in ninth position with 44 points and have a game in hand. It's getting worse and worse for Arsenal. They've got a Europa League game on Thursday. 
they have got a favorable run going to the final when you think that on the other side of the draw you have ajax roma and manchester united they're going to play slavia prague and then possibly a villa real in the semi final do you think that after this defeat to liverpool it's all eggs in the basket in the europa league and that you know just forget about the premier league let it go with eight games left uh yeah to 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 a certain extent yes they should do that uh because you know if the, the hopes of qualifying for uh, the hopes of the hopes of qualifying for europe uh, from the premier league you know are practically second to none so you know their only way into the champions league or you know they can't go to the europa league because you know other sides above them even west ham have better quality than them right now uh but if they want any realistic european football next season their only way is to win the europa league this season yeah but that also seems like an uphill task because uh, as you said that you know if if they even concede one goal they just you know the floodgates open and that that i actually uh, you know agree with because uh, there is uh, what we call an implosion yeah. that happens amongst the arsenal side because uh, right now this arsenal side is you know very 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 low on confidence i would say Yeah. and uh, you know mikel arteta is we have seen that he is a, a astute tactician at at certain moments uh, you know we have seen in the past that he has defeated uh, you know uh, people from the top 6 and you know he has come up trumps against uh, his old foe as well but uh, i think that he lacks uh, you know that cutting edge or uh, you know people compare him to pep guardiola he they, they say that he is an understudy to him and you know he can be the one who can carry his uh, peps legacy forward but i think that uh, mikel arteta has a lot to learn and uh, he right now is uh, you know trying to play uh, it is as if one player is trying to play two positions at one time which is why pe- pe- uh, the players are getting confused what role are, uh, what role are they playing and uh, you know not i also would like to mention the fact that he has chopped and changed a lot partly due to injuries and partly due to the tactics he has uh, you know callum chambers we've never heard of him uh, for most of the season now he started what two or three games uh, you know gabriel was in and out of the team david luiz has been in and out of the team so there has been uh, you know pa- pablo mari was injured in the start of the season now he's come back uh, you know so there is no two center backs who actually know each other as to uh, you know what to when to go when to press when to come back when uh, when to block the ball so there is no communicate uh, see the communication is very crucial when it comes to uh, the two center backs and uh, they don't have this at the moment which is why they are you know you know they are they're just falling apart uh, you know as the game goes on if something goes against them they try you know they try to go much harder at it but at the same time while trying to go hard they just you know open the spaces up as if you know the water is just going to flow right through them hmm. and you know if you if you do that in the likes of liverpool mo salah sadio mane are not going to spare you exactly. they are going to they they run at you all night long and they can do it for you know 10 15 years if you just <laughs> uh, <laughs> allow them to so yeah. i think that uh, it is a it is a slight mentality problem with arsenal right now mm-hmm. but uh, going forward i think yes uh, they have a very daunting run ahead of them and if there is if there is any european uh, you know what do you say ambition uh, left at the club right now it would be to win the europa league but 
again that would be very very difficult considering uh, you know the caliber of opponents they might come up, come up against in the semi final and finals of the europa league all or nothing as they did call the tottenham yeah. documentary could be <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but yeah come adding to your point yash it was very interesting that mikel arteta chose to blame himself for the defeat and a lot of question marks rightly should be asked about mikel arteta after that performance uh with that we move to our next section which is the european roundup we're going to talk about one game in particular in our european roundup and i'm not going to do it my regular resident bhargav is going to talk about a very important game in spain which does not include real madrid and barcelona over to you bhargav yeah i mean uh, i i had the pleasure of watching most of the sevilla atletico match and uh, it was pretty pretty eventful uh, in the sense that you know atletico obviously uh, aiming for for a title charge and uh, you know that they, they come up in a quality opposition uh, you know in in sevilla but you know contrary to people's expectations it was it was, it was sort of a very one dimensional one sided match where you know sevilla could very easily have been tuned up uh, in in the first 10 minutes but obviously you know courtesy of oblacks uh, exploits they were they were able to you know hold their ground and uh, you know keep it to nil nil but then uh, sevilla were able to attack in two phases one they tried doing it just you know with with their wingers and the center forward and Uh, of course with the help of bracketage but when that did not work out and they sensed that a win could be on the cards they they sent their full backs bombing forward and so forward that they were almost playing as wingers itself so essentially atletico were having to deal with a, with a front five or a front six at times and that paid dividends because it was you know it was marcos acuña who eventually came up with the goal and that was that was enough to you know to win the game for sevilla and cast some doubts on whether atletico really are the strong title contenders that you know that they have been uh, named this raises actually one important question whether whether diego simeone has run out of tactical ideas at atletico madrid and has he solely been reliant on suarez as the as the attacking force who has you know who's been churning up goals all on his own and whether an evolution is needed uh well, i mean you know briefly speaking i think that is something that they have to address as part of as part of their you know bottom line season end analysis and though it's not all over for atletico just yet it's definitely going to be hard considering you know the form of real madrid and barcelona especially barcelona who have been resurgent ever since the turn of you know this new year and they could they could well you know that that match that uh, you know th- that's between atletico and you know barcelona lined up it could eventually impact on where the title goes this season but definitely some work to do for simeone as well as his players in training and uh, only time will tell with another nine games how this is going to pan out very lovely put bhargav and i will add on to your points on the title race with the exact table um just to let our listeners know that while we are recording this we are going with the barcelona versus real valladolid hopefully i pronounced that right game is going to happen after this recording so we do not know the result of that but as it stands atletico madrid are still top of the table with 66 points in 29 games real madrid 
are currently second with 63 points after playing the same number of games as Atletico Madrid. Barcelona, who are going to play after this recording is over, have played a game less, but around 62 points. And with a potential win in this game, could go one point behind Atletico Madrid with nine games to go. Looks like La Liga is going to have a very, very interesting yeah. end of the run. And I think the defining match could well be, you know, uh, Barcelona versus Atletico Madrid, going to be played at Camp Nou on the 9th of May. And that's, that's I think, game week 35, uh, which means, you know, it's, it's going to be an exciting La Liga uh, run-in, uh, conclusion, as we like to call it. And they're yet to play Real Sociedad as well, which is, you know, it's going to be a tough team to come up on their day. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And uh, as I said, Simeone has some work to do. Yep. And uh, amazingly enough, uh-huh. alongside that, we have the El Clasico on Saturday. And that's a game which we will definitely look into and possibly analyze on the same show next week. With that, we move to the last section of our podcast, which is the famous Paul the Octopus section. What we do is we look at the games which are potentially coming up in the week, which we will potentially be analyzing next week on the podcast but for now we predict and find out whether we will be right next week or wrong there's a small battle going on between me and Bhargav which Bhargav currently leads 3-2 we start off well we're gonna do the Champions League games and their predictions so we started with the first one Bhargav which has your team Manchester City versus Dortmund Bhargav Without being biased to your team, what do you think the score is going to be? It's hard to say when you mentioned the word biased, but you know, I, I still predict them to win the leg 2-1. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, a solitary Holland goal in there. Hopefully, it's not too brilliant on the night. That would cause a lot of problems. But uh, yeah, 2-1 is what I'm going for. To oh, I think I'm writing them down just to make sure that hopefully I can get back to you in this inter- internal battle between the two of us. But Yash, Bhargav uh, predicts a 2-1 win to City. City, of course, are looking brilliant at this moment. Just one defeat, which I'm going to put up because it was against my team. But what do you think is going to happen in this match in Manchester? Uh, I think uh, it's Manchester City home, first of all. And uh, with the form that Dortmund are in right now, I think uh, I would favor City in the scoreline of three-one. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a bold prediction to uh, you know give City three goals, but I think uh, you know it's nothing new that uh, City can score three goals at the Etihad. They have you know so many times they scored five, six. We have been at the receiving end of six as yep. Chelsea fans. So <laughs> I think they they can they will score three goals and. Uh, Dortmund, I, I think that Dortmund will get one goal, uh, courtesy of their Terminator, Erling Haaland. Very, very interesting. We've got a 2-1 and a 3-1. I personally think City are too good. And while Haaland will have his moments, I do not think that Dortmund are good enough at this moment to get a goal uh, against the defence of Ruben Diaz and John Stones. I'm going a 2-0 win to Manchester City. We move it to another game, which is a repeat of a Champions League final which took place a couple of years ago. I'm talking about Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Real Madrid have a couple of key injuries. Sergio Ramos, uh, of course, sustained an injury on national duty. Eden Hazard has not been 
Eden Hazard has been declared not fit for the match. Of course, we know the injuries which have gone on with Liverpool, Virgil van Dijk, Gomez, Matip are not playing, even though Liverpool have recently got a few good wins. Let's start with you, Yash. What do you think is going to happen in this match? It's at home for Real Madrid. Uh, I think Real Madrid would come up trumps in this, or it would be, uh, you know, I I was going for a draw between uh, a one-all draw or a one-nil win for Real Madrid, but I think I'm more tilted towards the one-nil win uh, because of the fact that, uh, you know, Thibaut Courtois has been in good form. And uh, even though Sergio Ramos is not there, I think Nacho does a very good job uh, at center, at the heart of the defense along with uh, uh, Rafael Varane. So, well, it's it's kind of you know difficult to predict, but I think I will go. I'll, I'll give this to Real Madrid one nil. Bargav on the same lines or something positive for Liverpool? I think it's uh, they're going to cancel out each other uh, in terms of the way they they line up. Uh, obviously, Kavak and Phillips good enough for Arsenal, but Real Madrid are obviously a different proposition altogether. And Sergio Ramos obviously missing. Uh, I mean, sorry, Real Madrid you know missing Sergio Ramos. And uh, he is Mr. Madrid <laughs> for, for, for good reason. So, I think it's going to be one all on the night. Uh, Liverpool will manage to get the away goal and, you know, have that slight advantage in the tie. Not going to be too much uh, of, of an eventful eventful leg, but good enough for Liverpool to make uh, a statement in, in the second leg at home. So, I'm going for a one all. We've got a win for Real Madrid for Yash, a draw from Bhargav. And I'm going to go a win for Liverpool, the away team getting a win. I think Fabinho really gives them that edge. And with the form of Diego Jota, who should be starting the game, Mo Salah finally back in the goals after his goal against Arsenal. I'm going for a 2-1 victory to Liverpool away from home, which will give them a big incentive to go forward because they will have that away lead when they go back to Anfield for the second leg. The next game is a repeat of last year's Champions League final. Very, very exciting. Bayern Munich versus PSG. Both teams um, doing well, not exactly. PSG are not doing that well in the league. They currently are second in league, in the League One. But Bayern, who just beat Leipzig, have now got a six-point lead in the Bundesliga. Bhargav, are we heading towards the champions? Or are we thinking the runners-up from last season could upset the champions? Despite Lewandowski's loss, I think the champions are still good enough uh, for the first for the first leg at least, and I predict them to win the game two-one. Uh, I mean, I would have said uh, PSG had they been coming into the game with some kind of you know confidence in a run of form, and they've they've just lost over the weekend to a real title challenger in Lille. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to be a difficult game for the both both the teams. Uh, but Bayern will just about edge it 2-1. Okay. Yash? Uh, I, I have a similar scoreline to what Bhargav has, 2-1. Uh, you know, we saw Thomas Muller's reaction when they beat Leipzig on the weekend. And I think that, uh, you know, Bayern Munich, as we are approaching the business end of the season, they are coming into their own scary uh, beastly mode where they have uh, where they have extreme focus on the job at hand so i think uh, they will go with 2-0 i i don't think that uh, psg can get a goal in this leg at least on allianz arena 
So uh, you know a similar line of two goals scored with Bhargav, but then I think PSG won't score a goal. So it's two nil for me. You guys have gone for slightly lesser scores. I think they're goals in this game for some reason, just because of the way Bayern and PSG actually set up. Uh, but I definitely think Bayern, even without Lewandowski, have enough in their tank to get a victory. They're that good. I'm going for a three-two victory for Bayern Munich and a goals galas um, to enjoy. Old prediction, this. <laughs> very, very bold. We'll see what happens. And that's what you do on the tactical stand, no? Thank you, buddy. That's what we do on the tactical stand, no? Definitely. Bold predictions. Definitely. That's that's what we run by. <laughs> And we move to Yash, your team. That's the last semi quarter, last Beggy Button quarter final taking place. Porto versus Chelsea. I think a lot of people predicted that Chelsea would go runaway winners. However, this weekend result, which we've already tactically analyzed, and the fact that Porto did knock out a certain Juventus does raise a couple of questions on what happens. Yash, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, I think that this uh, West Brom result was. Uh, just a mere aberration, I would say. Uh, if I were to speak in a medical sense, a point mutation. Okay. Uh, in, 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 a, in a very good run of form, I think that Chelsea would come up trumps two nil. Even though we are, uh, both the legs are going to be played in Sevilla. Uh, we have played in uh, in Sevilla previously, where Giroud scored four goals, yep. and uh, Thomas Tuchel will will be tempted to start him again. So I think uh, Chelsea might come up trumps in two nil. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going for further goals or you know more goals than two because you know uh, there has been a trend to all the Thomas Tuchel victories in that 14-game run was that we have never won with more than two goals. Mm-hmm. So this 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 league this game will be a two-nil with one once again a good solid performance uh, at the back. So yeah, Chelsea would come as winners. And Bhargav, you said that you expect this defeat to West Brom to be a blip, just like Yash. Are you going on the same lines? No, uh, sadly for Yash, I am not. Uh, because I've liked the look of Porto ever since we played them in the group stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there are very exciting, you know, choppy underdogs in, you know, in the in the glitz and glamour of the, Euro, uh, the, the Champions League quarterfinals. I expect Porto to run out winners 2-1. Uh, of course, it's going to be a, an evenly matched tie. Uh, there, there are going to be good moments for for both teams, but I just expect you know uh, <clears throat> Chelsea to be stopped on the day, uh, and you know Porto to edge them uh, to one. Interesting. So I've got a choice here. Do I go with Bhargav and the Porto win? Do I go with Yash with the Chelsea win? I do. I do. I stay safe. Keep your choice, uh, uh, keeping in mind that you know you're trailing to me in the interview. Yes, practice. exactly, and that's why I'm gonna go with Yash. Um, a one-nil win for Chelsea is my prediction. So that's what you had, the Paul the October section for Champions League quarterfinal games, which I'm sure we're going to tactically analyze one, if not more, next week. Thank you so much, Yash and Bhargav, for joining me here. And uh, that's the end of another episode of the Tactical Stand. Again, I apologize for the two-week hiatus before this. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back and we're going to bring more content. Obviously, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. All you have to do is search for the Tactical Stand. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.